Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on The Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about the start of the college basketball season and the release of the Syracuse basketball schedule. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Brad Bierman and our guest is ESPN.com's John Gasway. John, thanks so much for coming on the program. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, and John, we'll get you started on this one. Your book, Miracles on the Hardwood, is now available for pre-order from Hatchet Book Group. It officially comes out on March 16. What inspired you to write the book and tell us more about it? Yeah, here's a here's a push for my book well in advance. Uh, everybody, you've got, uh, what is that, four whole months to uh, to anticipate it, but uh, it's, it's <laughs> timed, for, timed for March Madness. Uh, is available for pre-order already. And uh, what inspired it, frankly, was... Uh, 2018, when uh, Villanova and Loyola Chicago, the second, uh, obviously, surprisingly, both made the Final Four, and there were uh, articles everywhere talking about uh, Catholic schools are really good at college basketball, and, and here's the reasons why. And it occurred to me that I'd seen articles like that uh, whenever Catholic teams have success a little little bit when uh, Villanova won the title two years previous in 2016. Um, it, it's kind of a an old war horse of uh, sports coverage. Yeah, Catholic schools, good at basketball. Um, but nobody would ever done it as a book, and I thought, that, that might work, and that just kind of laid there as an idea. But more importantly, uh, my agent uh, said the exact same thing, <laughs> and I thought, wow, okay, maybe there's something to this, and we wrote up a proposal, and uh, it, uh, it, it it got bought. So uh, so here we are uh, a couple years later, and it's uh, it's going to happen. I'm, I'm uh, pretty excited. It's my, uh, my first book, and uh, pretty excited about it. John, you mentioned some really historic NCAA tournament runs. You mentioned Loyola Chicago. You mentioned Villanova. There are lots of other programs out there that fit the bill, most of them in the Big East, Gonzaga out west. So out of all of these, what is your favorite small Catholic school story? And please keep in mind this is a Syracuse podcast, so tell me you're not going to say Georgetown. <laughs> no, no, no. I wouldn't. Uh, Georgetown, no. They're <laughs> in the 80s, they were more of a of a New York Yankees kind of thing. They weren't uh, your your lovable small school underdogs. They were, <laughs> uh, and even they would uh, they would be proud to admit that uh, the Hoyas. No, uh, I think uh, I can safely uh, 
make every Syracuse uh, fan happy or at least neutral by going to the opposite coast and saying, honestly, my, my favorite small school uh, story by far is Loyola Marymount from 1990. And uh, if anybody, here's a plug for my employer, uh, if anybody hasn't seen the 30 for 30 that was made about that season, um, use that ESPN Plus subscription that I'm sure you all have. Uh, go look it up. It's called uh, Guru of Go, um, which was the nickname for the coach, Paul Westhead. And it was uh, one of the first 30 for 30s that was made. Uh, it was from the first season. That's how good a story it was. And for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Loyola Marymount that season, they averaged 122.4 points per game. Um, that is a record that's going to be tough to beat. Uh, sadly, one of their two star players, uh, Hank Gathers, died during the season, uh, right before the NCAA tournament. And the Lions uh, went on without him and recorded a, a historic run in the 1990 NCAA tournament. And uh, just the most uh, amazing story, some of the most incredible and entertaining basketball that you'll ever see. And opposing teams were not uh, equipped to uh, deal with a team that averaged 122 points a game. Um, and it was uh, it was an amazing bit of innovation by their coach and a bit of execution by their players. And uh, I tried to do the that story and others uh, justice in the book. Uh, I hope I did so. Yeah, I love that ESPN documentary. It was such an entertaining form of basketball. And I want to talk to you about the upcoming college basketball season. What are some of the biggest headlines for this year, especially playing through a pandemic? Yeah, uh, especially playing through a pandemic. Uh, I hope that we get as many games as we can, you know, as I've been watching uh, the college football season from a, from afar. I've, I've got no uh, no fan interest in that sport, uh, as, as chance would have it, but purely as uh, a uh, dry run for what might happen with college basketball. You know, I've been very aware of the uh, positive tests and the, and the games that have been canceled. I know that we will see the same in our college basketball world. So uh, the biggest story is how many games we can get in uh, and uh, certainly uh, what form of an NCAA tournament we can play. Uh, you know, whatever discussion there is in a normal season about uh, bubble teams and who should be in, who should be out, I think we can safely magnify that times 10 this year because there will be fewer games played and there will be a lot of talk about, uh, you know, who have they played, and then lastly and most fundamentally, uh, how big an NCAA tournament can we really have? Uh, I hope, you know, it'd be great if it is, again, 67 games uh, played over several different venues over the course of three weeks. Um, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's Maybe it's reduced in size and we'll have to make do for one year only. Uh, we hope, we trust, uh, with a with a smaller bracket. Um, so these are the things that you know I'll be watching <laughs> even before we get into the more traditional discussion of you know who's good, who could win it all, uh, just the form that the season will take. And I do know that you know as soon as I'm 
watching a college basketball game, which should be happening here in just a couple of weeks, uh, I'll, I'll be in a happy place. It's It's been a long time, and the last time I was watching games, we already knew about this uh, strange new pandemic thing, and it just overshadowed everything completely <laughs> and if we can if we can even uh, achieve uh, a small sense of normalcy and uh, see some promising freshmen for example that we haven't seen before that that will be a great thing john who do you see as the best basketball conference this year i think it's going to be a really uh tight and uh fun competition between the the Big 12 and the Big 10, uh, as as we're recording this, uh, we expect the AP preseason poll to drop any any time now. Maybe it has already, and uh, I can uh, pretty confidently say that there will be a lot of teams from the Big 12 and the Big 10 at the top of that uh, poll, and not to say that you won't see. Other teams, uh, very high, of course, there will be, I expect Villanova to show well. I expect uh, Duke and other ACC teams to show well. But just in terms of depth, um, the the Big 12 and the Big 10 should have a lot to offer, going four, even five, six teams down from the top, which is usually the the test in the popular discussion, at least, of how strong a conference is. Uh, nobody cares uh, about the teams at the bottom of any conference ever. Uh, and statistically, I will expect the Big 12 to be the number one conference with with laptops at, at places like Ken Palm because there's just a statistical benefit from having only 10 teams versus 14. Uh, those 11 through 14 teams aren't going to be very good, and they're going to drag you down. But in terms of the best, uh, in terms of who's clocking in at the AP uh, top 25 or at the top of uh, Ken Palm or Bartorovic. Uh, I think it'll be the, the Big 12 and the Big 10 slugging it out. Uh, we'll see. We could be wrong. <laughs> we have been before, but there's some teams <laughs> at the tops of those. There are some teams at the tops of those leagues that are expected to be really good in 2021. And John, we'll get you out of here on this one. This is a Syracuse podcast. So I'll ask you this. What do you think of them and how will they do this year? Uh, I expect improvement on the bottom line because uh, I feel like they were uh, they were done wrong last year. Um, if, if anybody's been following along with, with John Gasway, you know he's a sucker for tracking uh, possessions and how teams do <laughs> on, on on each possession. And Syracuse was fine last year in ACC play. They they outscored their conference opponents by a, by a relatively healthy margin. I mean, like within shouting distance of Virginia even, and I mean, not as good as, but uh, that's like the closest uh, competitor, uh, a little bit behind the Cavaliers. And all they got to show for it was a 10 and 10 record. So uh, they could do the exact same thing again this year, and they'd have a better record in ACC play, but I expect them to do even uh, better possession by possession. Uh, A lot of players not named Elijah Hughes coming back. Um, there will be a Bayheim uh, making some threes. That's always handy. And um, I, I expect a, uh, a, a non-nervous selection Sunday and uh, an NCAA tournament bid with, uh, with room to spare for the, for the Orange in 2021. 
John, awesome stuff. Really appreciate you coming on the program. Again, John Gassaway from ESPN and his book, Miracles on the Hardwood, is now available for pre-order from Hatchet Book Group. It officially comes out on March 16. John, thanks so much for coming on the program. Enjoy the start of the college basketball season. We'll speak with you soon. Yeah, uh, everybody enjoy it. And uh, thank you so much for having me. Awesome to speak with John Gassaway from ESPN. I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online editor-in-chief and my very good friend, Brad Bierman. Brad, how are you today? I am doing well, Wes. Thank you. Brad, Syracuse with a 16-13 loss to Boston College on Saturday. We already know it's a lost season for Syracuse, but what was interesting about the game was a start for Syracuse freshman Jacoby and Morgan. Rex Culpepper was injured, and Morgan had lukewarm results, but you had to like at least the potential you saw from the true freshman quarterback. I would agree, Wes. You, you certainly have to like the potential, but you know it's really important for Syracuse to develop that quarterback position as a whole. That's been a problem we've talked about for the last couple of years, building ACC quality at the quarterback position. So it's certainly encouraging to see Jacoby and Morgan's play in the loss to Pittsburgh. I mean, the numbers weren't great, 19 of 30, 188 yards in the air passing. I did like the fact that he found seven different receivers uh, that had receptions in the game. He rushed around a little bit. Uh, The offensive line, I thought, held up pretty well. Morgan was only sacked four times. But you're right. It's really important for the coaching staff to be able to get a lot of film, to watch Jacoby and Morgan, see how he's going to fit in in Stephen Gilbert's offense moving forward. Again, we've also talked about the fact that Gilbert had no time to install his offense with a very little spring practice, just three specific practices. Uh, Then he had a very small window in the summer, mostly doing it by Zoom conference calls. So I think it's really going to be important for the coaching staff to see what they can get on film in live action of a player like Jacoby and Morgan to be able to make the proper determination at that position moving forward uh, for 2021. Brad, I think the fact that Syracuse only lost by three is a good sign in another way. The team hasn't quit on Dino. You can tell when injuries happen and the losses mount. Sometimes teams won't compete. At the very least, the team is still playing hard, and they're still trying to scrap to a second win of the season. I think that's a very good point, Wes, and that's you know certainly one of the responsibilities of a head coach. The CEO of a major college football program is how do you keep everything intact? And it's even more of a difficult question when you have a losing season, as as we see with just the one win so far. I think you do have to give Dino Babers and his staff some credit. They've always had a family atmosphere since he came aboard the program at the end of 2015, and he's always preached family. He's always preached how everything is talked about in the locker room, certain things that you know not appropriate they're not going to share with the public, they're going to keep inside within the program. And that's really important. I think that's a really good sign. And also for recruiting, as he goes out on the recruiting trail in this offseason, how do you get people to come to a program that you know may end up with only one or two wins this year? And how do you get top quality athletes at the ACC level to come in as, again, you're trying to rebuild this thing back up to be competing for the you know ACC championship? So, it is a really good sign. Uh, you know, injuries have come and go, gone this year. Players have opted out for the COVID-19 protocols. So I think related to your point, it will be interesting to see 
how many players will return that have eligibility, you know, reinstated for next season, what they, you know, their personal uh, standpoint of the growth of that, that, them as a football player, the relationship they have with the coaching staff versus other things they want to pursue in their future. So I think that will be another indication of where Babers and the coaching staff is in containing this team for next year based on how many players will indeed use that benefit of extra eligibility and come back to the program. Brad, we are right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts. This may be a thought that you share certainly as well, Wes. We have some orange in the White House. And congratulations to Joe Biden, Syracuse Law School graduate of 1968. Syracuse moves into the the elite class, in my opinion, Wes, as an academic institution by having president, a, pres- a sitting president to come in January. And, you know, John, Joe Biden uh, visited Syracuse in 2006, 2009, part of uh, speaking at graduation ceremonies for the law school and the general graduation, also made an appearance in 2015. It certainly will be interesting to see when he makes his first appearance as the sitting president, uh, you know, coming up here after inauguration in 2021. The other note, he's a huge orange sports fan, big sports fan in general. He and his wife, Jill, love the Philadelphia sports teams from their longtime residence in Wilmington, Delaware. And just a personal note about the new first lady, I'm a resident of Upper Moreland Township outside of Philadelphia. That's Jill Biden's hometown. So there's a lot of uh, uh, great emotion here from the residents of the, the town in which I live because of the success now in having a first lady in Joe Biden. So congratulations to the Bidens, the Syracuse connection moving forward. Orange in White House. Brad, my closing thoughts are on the Syracuse basketball schedule that was released on Tuesday. Syracuse will play 20 ACC games with repeat conference opponents of Boston College, Clemson, Louisville, UNC, NC State, and Pittsburgh. They'll start ACC play on the road against Boston College on December 12, and then close out the season at home against North Carolina on March 1. Much of the non-conference schedule, including Syracuse's annual game against Georgetown, hasn't been announced, so plenty to go with scheduling, but it's good to see that it's starting to take shape. That's it for us for Brad Bierman. This is Wes Chang reminding you that I do flash mobs alone sometimes. It's just me showing up somewhere. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Juice on the Cues podcast, part of the SNY.TV audio network. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.